And I don't think we should limit ourselves to thinking it has to be hard. Because if we have that story, we'll find the things that are hard. We'll self-select for the hard path. And you're welcome to it. You know, we've done it and, you know, we've done all right with it. And there is some grit that comes and there's some benefits of choosing that. But I just want to just open that up to people that perhaps love can ultimately teach you everything. I'm Luke Story. For the past 22 years, I've been relentlessly committed to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of spirituality, health, psychology, and personal development. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. It's been wild over the past two decades to observe the trends in health and wellness come and go. But one trend that has continued to grow exponentially is the trend of juicing. Now, back in the day, it was health nuts and terminally ill people that really committed themselves to juicing vegetables and superfoods and whatnot. However, now you've got a juice bar on just about every corner and many regular people uh, have a juicer at home and from time to time bust it out and go on a juicing spree. However, Juicing at home can be very laborious, and buying juices at the local juice place can be very expensive. So I was stoked when I discovered this company called Athletic Greens. These guys make an incredible green juice powder that contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, including multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green superfoods, and more. They all work together to fill the nutritional gap in your diet, increase energy and focus, aid with digestion, and support a healthy immune system without the need to take multiple products or synthetic products. Now, I'm someone who from time to time takes supplement here and there, but I've got to say the convenience and power of Athletic Greens makes it one of my favorite products on the market. These guys have gone through 53 iterations over the past decade, and they continue to invest in the most absorbable and natural source of each ingredient, and they go way above and beyond third-party testing to ensure their customers continue to receive the highest quality and best daily nutritional habit on the planet. So if you're someone who wants to be super healthy, wants to get all the vitamins and minerals and superfoods in, but doesn't have the time or budget or discipline to do it, this is the easiest entry point. And it's also a great gift for someone who you think might need a little support with their health, but isn't going to adopt some radical lifestyle practices or expensive supplements. Athletic Greens are not only very convenient and lifestyle friendly, they're also very dietary restriction friendly. So whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, all that, this product contains less than one gram of sugar without compromising on taste. So if you're ready to get down with some Athletic Greens, they are offering my audience, which is you, a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs. Here's what you do to hook yourself up with this incredible product. Go to athleticgreens.com slash lifestylist. That's athleticgreens.com slash lifestylist. It's no secret that 2020 was a challenging year for so many people. So this year in 2021, I'm focusing even more on my personal wellness routine and my overall mental and physical health. 
And one of the non-negotiables in my life is getting my daily dose of healthy light. So for years now, I've been using the Juve red light therapy devices. In fact, at the time of this recording, I'm currently in Miami and don't have access to my Juve red light therapy and uh, I miss it terribly. It's one of the things I'm really looking forward to and getting back home. Now, I have been getting some red light from the sun at dawn every morning, but uh, I'm missing out on that super-powered Juve action I get back home. So you probably heard me talk about Juve before. It's spelled J-O-O-V-V. And I use this thing just about every day when I'm home. And it has had an incredible impact on my health. So it's really great for your skin, uh, performance and recovery, sleep optimization, hormone optimization. It's pretty incredible. It's essentially uh, an element of nature, this certain spectrum of light that is harnessed through technology so you can use it anytime and also amplify it in ways that would not be present in nature. So as with everything when it comes to biohacking, I'm always looking to what are the first principles or laws in nature that I'm going to utilize to increase my health, vitality, and longevity. And uh, Juve would certainly be no exception to that principle. Now, Juve's new devices are sleeker and lighter with all the same power you'd come to expect. So the new Juve units have some really cool features like Recovery Plus mode, which uses pulse near-infrared light technology to give your cells an extra healing boost that optimizes the recovery process. They've also got a new feature called Ambient Mode, which uses lower-intensity light to support your sleep and circadian rhythms and to help counteract all of the artificial blue light that keeps you up at night that might be present in your home. So the Ambient Mode is something you could just kind of put on in the corner and it's going to nullify any little peaks of blue light in your life, which is very cool. So that's my take on Juve, but don't take my word for it. Uh, Go check it out for yourself. If you're looking for a new Juve, I've got some great news for you. If you go to juve.com slash Luke, again, that's J-O-O-V-V.com slash Luke and use the code Luke, you're going to get an exclusive discount on Juve's Generation 3.0 devices. So go to juve.com slash Luke. Ground control to Major Tom. Put on your seatbelts, folks. This is episode 326, 5-MEO DMT integration session. Bufo Alvarius Toad Medicine with Aubrey Marcus. Aubrey Marcus is the founder of Onnit, an industry leader in human optimization. He also hosts the Aubrey Marcus podcast, on which I've been a frequent guest. And he's the New York Times bestselling author of Own the Day, Own Your Life, as well as the founder of the Fit for Service Fellowship, bringing together a community dedicated to personal transformation in service of the greater good. I'm going to do my best quickly to frame up this episode for you. Uh, It's not so much an interview in the traditional sense, but rather a back and forth conversation wherein Aubrey and I unpack a very recent 5-MEO DMT ceremony in which we both participated. So essentially what you're about to listen to is the first-hand account integration session where we unpack this most powerful experience. In fact, some weeks later, as I continue to marinate in this rarefied state of being, I'm struck by the realization that this experience was one of, if not the most impactful moments of my life. So this one's very personal, almost to the point, honestly, where I consider not putting it out. But then that would have been an ego move to avoid discomfort or possible judgment from others like you. So here we are, Aubrey and I, in all of our real and raw glory, unpacking one of the great mysteries of the universe known as the Bufo Alvarius Toad. As always, I will offer the disclaimer that I'm not promoting the use of psychedelics or plant medicines to all people at all times, and one must be very careful when making the decision to enter into a potentially life-changing experience as the one I'm about to describe. My friendly advice would be to use discretion and prudence in such decisions, 
for obvious reasons, both legal and psychological. So enjoy joining Aubrey and me as we take what might just be the deepest dive in the five-year history of the Lifestylist podcast. And if you benefit from this conversation, as I hope you will, please feel free to share with a friend. Aubrey Marcus, welcome back, dude. Thanks, brother. Good yeah. to be here, man. Yeah, I think this is your third time on the show because you came to my house in LA once. Yeah. Then we did one at On It. Uh-huh. This will be the third one. Welcome back. That. God, so much has changed <laughs> in the time since I first met you. Oh my God. I can't wait to hear what's changed for you. I mean, I know a couple yeah, of them. Yeah, quite a bit. Yeah, I know a couple of those things, but God, what an interesting uh, journey it's been to think back of that day you came to my house. I mean, I was just a completely different person, completely different life experience at that point. So it's been cool to watch your evolution and cool to experience mine. And that's what we're going to catch up on. So last time you were on the show, uh, you were in a relationship with mm-hmm. a woman named Whitney mm-hmm. and it was a two-person show, a two-guest show. And we were talking about the ins and outs of open relationships. Yep. And then shortly after that, I think right around the time that I put the episode out, that relationship changed forms and was no longer a romantic partnership. Kind of. Is that, how kind did that of. really go? I mean, <clears throat> we officially you know, ended the quote relationship because it just wasn't really working out, but very much just stayed in a relationship, right? Got so it. like Got nomenclature it. changed and there was, there was pauses and hiatuses, but um, we both loved each other a lot. And I think there was some emotional and physical addictions to each other in many ways. And uh, so we kept on doing some form of some dance or another you know, even, even after that. So, you know, it was, it's been, you know, I don't know, 18 months since we split up, maybe more, even like close to two years since we quote broke up, but, um, it's really been less than a year since we stopped seeing each other entirely. Oh, wow. So yeah, it was, uh, yeah. So I guess two years ago we broke up and then, uh, you know, in February, that was when we actually fully finally called it off. So yes and no, that was a, there was a dance. It was an incredibly beautiful, challenging, all the things experience to be in that polyamorous relationship. I'm forever grateful and I'm forever, you know, love Whitney. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was no easy thing, not only to be in it, but also to get out of it. And, and, uh, it was, it was an interesting thing. Yeah, I remember during that conversation and any conversation I have on the show, I always enter into with as much open-mindedness as I can possibly muster. And I'm certainly uh, in most ways not a traditionalist in in the ways in which I live my life. People that listen to the show might have guessed that. I'm probably living my life quite differently than your average person in so <laughs> many ways, right? Um, but in listening to that, you know, I remember some of the the accounts of your subjective experience as the male partner in the relationship and uh, some of the things that you endured or experienced as a result of being in that dynamic. And I remember during that conversation, and obviously we'll put in the show notes for people that want to go back and retroactively listen to it. But I remember just going, oh my God, not in a million years would I put myself <laughs> through that. And, and I've done that. I mean, I was, yeah. I was non-monogamous guy for a long, long time. I mean, I've only had the past couple of relationships. I've been really interested in that type of commitment that I'm in now with, with Allison. And, uh, 
you know, so I get it from that perspective because I, I think my perspective of freedom as a primary value was based on a different interpretation of freedom. Mm. If you know what I mean. So it's freedom, like do what I want when I want, have sex with whoever I want. Like that's one level of freedom, but there's another level of freedom that I'm discovering, which is a freedom to really be seen and to really Mm -hmm. see other, like at a complete depth of vulnerability and safety and just a different kind of love than I've ever experienced, a higher love, to quote Steve Winwood. Uh, (laughs) In terms of the relationship that you're in now, you know, is there ever a part of you that thinks, oh, I wish I could go back and try it this other way? Or are you, are you finding that same kind of inner freedom where, I don't know, for me, it's almost like a sigh of relief, just like, oh, whew, I don't have to worry about any of this complicated shit. I can just like focus my love on one person and just completely be enraptured by that. What, yeah. What's your experience like with all that? Well, to catch people up. So I got married um, to an amazing woman who I've, really been in love with for a long time and she's she just i feel like uh if i had a lotto lotto ticket and it had a hundred numbers on it and it was a hundred number lottery i just got a hundred out of a hundred i mean it's the most implausible beautiful thing that i could possibly imagine (laughs) she's very special she is i'm gonna get some my experience of her uh, (laughs) yeah a little bit yeah for sure um so that happened this year and it's been you know the greatest blessing of my life no doubt uh that said you ask the question, is there some part of you that still thinks like, oh yeah, polyamory would be interesting or I'm still interested in that? And I would say, yes, there's some small part of me and I can you know, let you guess which small part of me that is <laughs> that still feels that, Hopefully right? Hopefully not too small, <laughs> in fairness. <laughs> Indeed. So at that, you know, of course, there's some carnal excitement about novelty and carnal desires when you see somebody beautiful it's not like i recognize beauty and my own you know attraction to other ceases entirely but it's that there's a conscious knowing and a conscious choice that i'm not interested in pursuing that that's not something that i have any desire to actually pursue one because i know the road that that goes and i could not even bear it with vilana to follow that road nor would i want to put her through it it's, I've been there, I've done that. And what we have is so beautiful. It's the cost of trying to pursue that would so greatly outweigh the benefit You know that it's not even a question. So I know that it's a conscious choice and it's a conscious choice that I willingly and gladly make. It's not a restriction or an impingement on my freedom. It's a choice. And it's a choice I make with a fucking smile. And it's an informed choice. You know, And I think if I hadn't tried polyamory, I'm sure over time, perhaps that feeling will even grow, you know, where I'll desire novelty even more. But no matter how much it grows, it will never reach the point where the benefit of that would outweigh the cost because I know the cost. I've lived it. I've been there. And I'm so grateful that I have that knowledge because I might wonder, you know, I might get into the philosophical idea which drew me into polyamory in the first place of, you know, love and freedom. The sun does not, you know, judge which one deserves its warmth and which one doesn't the sun just shines and that's the way of love and that's why polyamory makes the most sense we should be free to love no one should be anyone's pleasure dealer pleasure is universal like i actually believe all those things i think that's all true however we're human beings and human beings are not 
perfect divine beings we are. And we're also messy and grubby <laughs> humans, you know, like yeah. we're both and it's both beautiful. And in the totality, it's all perfect. But to disregard the humanness and just, you know, spiritually bypass to our divine nature, it doesn't make any sense. So, you know, now that I really understand the landscape fully, my choice is, is pure and true and unshakable because uh, I really feel like I know what I'm choosing and it's so worth it. Yeah, it's um, I think a common experience for many of us that have that have read Sex at Dawn, <laughs> Ethical Slut. Yeah, right? for sure. It's like anyone I know that read those books is like, oh God, I've been doing this all wrong. <laughs> you can just do whatever you want. We're animals, you know. And and I'm not discounting, you know, or judging anyone that still chooses that life way because God knows I did it for a long time and it was completely unavailable to anything other than that for a number of reasons. Um, but I think that. In my experience, it's been, I don't know, it's almost like it's happened to me. You know what I mean? The transition from from that other perspective of freedom and in terms of the value that I placed on sexuality in general, mm-hmm. uh, it's just so much different now. It, and, and it wasn't a different that I did. It wasn't like I pulled myself up from my boots, bootstraps and was like, you know what, Luke, you're 48, it's time to grow up. You know, it's just like all of a sudden... That wasn't all of a sudden. There were a few interactions I had that were of the casual nature. And I would be in the middle of it going like, I don't actually like this. Mm. What, what's happening to me? And it's a bit jarring when, you know, for my whole adult life since 1986 to whenever this was a few years ago, this started to kind of get dismantled for me. It was really weird. And I thought, wrong person, try another one. You know? Right. And then the same kind of thing would happen, just interactions that were just should have been hot, but weren't. And just mm-hmm. kind of, as you said, the word messy, kind of just messy and like, oh, this doesn't feel good. Morally, it wasn't feeling good, even though I was being honest and wasn't being manipulative, I think, in any way or seductive or playing any weird games, like fully straight up interactions where there was transparency and I think compassion and honesty and still, yet still being in it and after it going like, ugh, that's not feel right. What is happening to me? And that started to happen to me really after a few years of Kundalini yoga. And as I moved through that and made a couple ill-fated, well, I don't want to say ill-fated, a couple painful lessons in relationships where I felt like I wanted a higher connection, but I didn't know how to select a partner who was able to meet me there. And I was not able to meet myself there but I had a yearning for a deeper connection and a higher, um, a higher love. And I think what happened was through that work of going through those chakras for eight freaking years, almost every day for 90 minutes a day in that practice is that I really started moving up the energy centers mm. into the higher centers. It's not even like, oh, I'm evolved. It's just, I'm literally moving the energy to different places physiologically and when I did that, I could not disconnect my heart from whatever that second chakra is. Right. They, were, they became intrinsically connected and they could not separate even if I willed them so because I wanted to have just an animalistic, pleasurable experience. And what a, what a harsh transition that was for me and a few other people, you know, that I hope I've made complete amends to. But that was my experience. It was just like, huh, something happened to me. I changed. So when I interviewed you and Whitney last time, like you guys seemed really happy, seemed really solid. 
your case for the relationship, if you could call it that, seemed to be integrous. And there were lessons being learned between the two of you as an observer that I understood fully, but also had no interest in participating in anymore, Mm. you know, of that, you know, as an example, I don't remember the details, but something like this super hot, rich, buff guy was like sleeping with your girl, you know, and you just kind of had to be home. I mean, which one? Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, you're just home chilling, like, oh, I wonder if she's coming home tonight. Maybe not. You know, I'm just like, oh my God, that's the ultimate nightmare for me once I had started to open my heart and become vulnerable, which was terrifying. And I was really a late bloomer in that way. So, well, the premise that allowed me to continue continue at it was the premise that this is just the painful process of me growing. You know, like if you're in an ayahuasca right. sit and it gets hard and it's gnarly in there and all the darkness from the cosmos is coming down and pouring in through your crown and you're having to reckon it as it's meeting you in all the places you feel guilty or shameful or whatever is happening, you know there's growth on the other side from this, right? And I was experiencing that growth. So I was just like, oh, well, it's still hurting, means there's still work to do. And, you know, I'm just going to stick at it. So, you know, whatever the next, <laughs> the challenge that the next guy brings, okay, Whitney's, you know, deeply in love with this guy, or this guy's really aggressive, or this guy's manipulating her, and there's nothing I can do about it. And this, all of the horrors that I've had to, you know, face was just another opportunity for me to show up a different way, you know, find that, you know, deeper grounded, unconditional love and support and allyship and still, you know, maintain vulnerability in the blistering pain. Like there was always a growth edge. And I still think that's in my mind, one of the most beneficial aspects of polyamory is it's going to push you right up against your growth edge and you will grow. But ultimately I had to realize that there are other ways to learn. You know, there are other ways to learn besides this pain teacher. And certainly for me, I could have continued to learn from the pain teacher. And that's not to say there wasn't amazing love there with Whitney. There was as well, you know, but there was a hefty dose of the pain teacher in there. And and I was never fully able to overcome it as much as I tried over those six years. But there's other ways to learn. And now I'm learning from the love teacher. This mm-hmm. is like yep. love and safety and security yeah. and you know, divine union teacher. And like I'm learning at the pace and, at, and the lessons and at the, in the style that I really want to learn from you know, to carry me to the next level. So I'm still learning, but I'm not learning through struggle and learning through pain. And I think a lot of times we have this idea that the only way for us to learn is from the pain teacher, but it's not. Ah, oh, so true. You know? God, that's beautiful, man. Thank you for that reflection. I relate to that so deeply in in my relationship now. And I'm and I'm aware of it while it's happening. Just I'll have a moment where I just look in Allison's eyes and I just sit there, especially since last Wednesday. <laughs> I'm like, God, so I'm chomping at the bit to get to the real part of the podcast. Honestly, none of this shit matters from that place. But um, but there, there are moments where I just stop and I just look in her eyes and, and that winning the lottery feeling comes over mm. me and I just go, oh my God, I'm safe. Mm. This is a safe person. And I'm, and I'm safe in and of my own autonomy. And what does that safety mean? That safety means there's no limit to the love that I can experience within myself and that I can allow in and that I can spill out it's just like this vast 
expression of, of the most pure love. And in that is so much medicine, so much teaching, you know, and so much healing just in that acknowledgement and that connection. And that's one way of, of healing and learning. The other way is keep attracting partners that mirror the flavor of trauma you endured as a kid. Right? Yep. Oh, this feels so fucking hot. Ooh, ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like this. This is right. This is right, man. This is the one. No, it's familiar. It's familiar. Reminds me of mommy. Reminds me of daddy. Reminds me of auntie, uncle, mm-hmm. teacher, cop, whatever, right? And there is a learning in that, but goddamn, so much suffering. Yeah. So much suffering. That said, I don't think... I, I guess that I wouldn't be able to have the learning that I just described in that more divine type of learning had I not really like beat the other pinata to death. You know what I mean? I wonder. That's a question, <laughs> right? Because both of us have learned so much from that. And I think most people here, and when we do have pain, the choice to make that a teacher, the choice to alchemize it into growth is always the right choice. However, from a philosophical standpoint, is it necessary to learn? through that mirroring process, through going and re-experiencing the pain so that you can see the pain that you have? Maybe. I think typically it has been, but I just wonder, like I wonder if, you know, perhaps Vailana and I had gotten together earlier, you know, 10 years ago and all the things that I learned from pain in the last 10 years, maybe I would have been able to learn them the other way, like reverse engineer them from love. Like I wonder... If that's possible. (laughs) And I think I I mentioned that because I think a lot of us have this bias towards, well, the pain is productive and we almost like welcome it because those of us on the path of growth want to grow more than anything and we're willing to endure the pain and that's part of the warrior spirit. And I think that's all great. But I just want to throw that out there that I'm not convinced that you couldn't get every lesson possible from love, you know? Because ultimately, where we're going with this story, we dropped into the place of the ultimate love, capital L of all capital L loves, you know, where there's nothing but love. It's just divine, you know, unicity, right? That place of connection and look at everything. And not that there wasn't pain as we tried to assimilate that and that there wasn't other things that come up, but that's that in and of itself is such a teacher. You know, MDMA has been such a teacher for so many people and in, in healing their trauma in that way rather than other different ways. So I just think that there's many ways to do it. And I don't think we should limit ourselves to thinking it has to be hard because if we have that story, we'll find the things that are hard. We'll self-select for the hard path. And you're welcome to it. You know, we've done it and, you know, we've done all right with it. And there is some grit that comes and there's some benefits of choosing that. But I just want to just open that up to people that perhaps love can ultimately teach you everything you need. That's a powerful distinction. And I'd like to think so too. You know, I'm reflecting on that as you're describing that as an alternative. And it's like, (sighs) the thought that came to mind was what's given me, I believe, or so I think, a lot of my depth and my ability to really relate with people on a heart level and just an immense well of empathy and compassion is all of the suffering that I've experienced. But perhaps in what you're saying, 
there's an even shorter, <laughs> a shorter way <laughs> yeah. to that end goal, which is like, what if we just went straight to the compassion and the depth and the love, <laughs> right? right? And the right. empathy, because all because love obviously is inclusive of all of that. And so if we explore ways to get to the end goal, which of course is what we're describing, not being in love with a person, but being in love in and of itself, that perhaps... It is an old idea and an old paradigm that we have to suffer in order to get there. Yeah. Like, yeah. When I, like think about like my early recovery when I first got sober and you know, it is what it is. I can't go back in time. I'm grateful it all worked out the way it worked out. But I mean, Jesus Christ, dude, if you just put me in an ayahuasca ceremony at 30 days or something, <laughs> I mean, I honestly, you know, you don't know, you can never know, but I feel like I could have saved myself years and years and years of pain of trying yeah. to medicate my trauma in other ways that eventually ended up being almost and sometimes as destructive as the drug habit. You know, it's just like, ah, uh, I could have just gotten to love and gotten to that deep level of healing. So much of that meandering and all of the sloppiness and the damage done to other people along the way could have just been like, whoosh. but is what it is, you know? I, and I think that's, <clears throat> I think that's the paradigm we're entering now where we're starting to see that the old constructs, all the old constructs are up for review. It doesn't mean that we need to discard them, but when you look at what's happening in the psychedelic medicine space in particular, let's take the MAP studies on MDMA um, treatment for PTSD. You know, they're showing that they're curing two out of three treatment resistant cases of PTSD in phase two, phase three clinical trials with legalization imminent, fast tracked by the FDA. So, what they're showing is these are treatment resistant people who are typically on 10 to 12 different pharmaceutical interventions and have no hope of recovery. It's treatment resistant, nothing is working. And they're taking, having three sessions, two out of every three of them are not only treating their trauma, they're curing it. And in the follow-up studies and the follow-up analysis, it keeps getting better. There's a trauma score and the trauma score keeps going down. You know, it's already below threshold where it even qualifies as trauma, but even years later, it goes down even more. So how many years have they been on this pharmaceutical cocktail trying to manage these symptoms, trying to deal with the, the struggle? And then they go through their three MDMA-assisted psychotherapy sessions and they're cured, you know, at least two out of every three of them. And that's just a new paradigm. It's a brand new paradigm. And I think that that idea can be applied to everything. Like there is ways that we don't have to suffer along the same path that we used to. Like these quantum leaps are available. And, uh, and just to keep a keen eye out for that and be like, hmm, I wonder if this is an old story about how to do it and whether there's a new story. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I think people like Joe Dispenza are, are another way that they're providing that new story where totally. you're just putting yourself and signaling to the body the emotional reality of the place you want to be in your health and your finance and your emotion, whatever, whatever you want to be, you live in that way. And then it magnetically attracts that reality from an epigenetic, you know, signaling and cellular and cosmic you know, cosmic way, you, you end up creating that reality by your attraction to being in that reality in your emotional state. And like, that's a, that's a paradigm shifting, you know, quantum leap to what the, the old way, which is matter moving matter. And he talks about that all the time. It's totally. slow, slow for matter to move matter, but when you can use, you know, thought and belief to move matter, which is not up for debate, it certainly does. It's the placebo and nocebo effect that we all know so well. 
when you can get to that place, then things can happen fast. And, uh, and that's really exciting to think about like, man, nothing that, nothing that we thought was a hard boundary, maybe not nothing, but a lot of the things we thought were a hard boundary may not be hard boundaries anymore. There may be ways to just cut straight to it. Oh man, that's so good. There's so many different threads there that I want to unravel. Speaking of Joe Dispenza, when I got back in his work in the past couple of years, uh, I'd kind of forgotten about that movie, What the Bleep Do We Know? You remember yeah, that? Yeah. It was this documentary, we'll put it in the show notes about basically about quantum physics, you know, just kind of like making quantum physics physics accessible as a personal development spiritual tool. And I remember seeing that movie and Joe was one of the people in it when he, he was quite a bit younger. And I remember seeing that going, yes, and it's too far off. Like this, this the ability to operate in the way that's being described in that, it's like there wasn't a part of me that said, no, that's bullshit. That's not true. It was just like, man, we're really far from that <laughs> you know, as a species and interpersonally. I mean, my own relationship to that was like, I get it and it rings true intuitively but man give me 50 years and now it's so funny because if you i'm assuming if people like us went and watched that movie we'd be like uh duh right this is like you know this is like 101 shit man we've gone way beyond this right Mm -hmm. and of course joe's work has you know grown immensely and affected so many people including me and sounds like you but that I think we really are on the brink of something so miraculous and especially with the you know, popularity, for lack of a better word, of these plant medicine and psychedelic experiences. You know, of course, it's a slippery slope. We'll get into that. But I mean, I am just like floored at how much my life has changed in the past couple of years, man. Mm -hmm. And, And it's not just because I took a certain molecule into my bloodstream. It's also the framework of all the boots on the ground, hard work that I did for all of those years, honestly, sure. to be able to intuitively understand, understand integration and application of the downloads. Not just like, oh, well, that was fun. Yeah. Back to being an asshole. It's like, hmm, what was that thing I didn't want to look at? Let's look at it now, you know, yeah. and really, really getting in there in a fun way though, right? Like have fun with the trauma, have fun with the pain, have fun with the tears, have fun with the shadow. Like, ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go in this. Let's go in. Ooh, it's kind of scary. Let's go, you know? (laughs) But we really are now, I think, emerging as this, um, you know, David Hawkins used to call the the conscious human, uh, uh, what did he call it? It wasn't homo sapiens because we already had that. Uh, Homo espiritus, I think, was Mm -hmm. this term that he used for this emerging consciousness and this bump in evolution that we seem to be having. And this is where guys like you and I can kind of embrace our animal nature and go, yeah, I'm still kind of a dumbass human. And I'm also infinite and I'm also God and I'm also infinite potentiality of expression of consciousness and of self. Wow. This is, this conversation is getting really interesting, you know? And, um, and I do think that we have the opportunity to shortcuts the wrong word because it implies cheating. I think we have a grace cut now. Yeah. There's, there's grace in the air. There's an ambiance of the unseen hand going, come on, you guys, come on. Yeah. You can do this. Come on, go this way. Right. It's so beautiful. Yeah. It uh, it's, feels like magic. You know, it feels like um, in that scene in Game of Thrones when the dragons were birthed back into Westeros and then everybody's <laughs> magic came online. The, the wizards who could make a small flame with their fingers can now juggle fireballs, right? That was like, mm-hmm. there's this acceleration that's happened 
And it seems to be allowing us to move faster than we have before in any time in history from a spiritual standpoint. And I think there's pitfalls that we have to watch out for. There's the valuing the spirit above the body, which is an abnegation and a denial that the body is spirit in form. You know, And so there's ways that we can create through spiritual materialism, different hierarchy and different value structures, which are basically the same thing rehashed with a different scorecard that we've experienced for the last you know, 5,000 years where this class is better than this class. There's caveats and little warnings in, in areas that we can kind of smooth out, but our ability to be that full spectrum, you know, homo spiritus, as he's saying, which is man and spirit, a human and spirit, woman and spirit, all in combination, celebrating all of those aspects so that we're that full, you know, full bridge from both sides, from the most visceral carnal animal to the most, you know, ethereal, angelic, spiritual, both. And just be like, all right, here we are. And this is awesome because this is why we're here. Because we could all just choose pure spirit and not take form. Well, obviously we didn't choose that. Well, why didn't we choose that? Well, because there's, there's real value this is an incredible opportunity to be a person so like celebrate that and celebrate your spiritual side because both are true and both are what we chose at least in my worldview yeah i think this is something really healthy that's now coming to light a bit in the for lack of a better term what could be called the biohacking community which a lot of the stuff i do um is in that space i guess as much as as reluctant as I am about it, as you got some insight into the other day. To me, like all this shit is just kind of novelty. It's just fun toys to play with and things to do and see what you can do with your body. And, you know, it's like learning how to work on your car, you know, and becoming an expert self-mechanic kind of. But I think a lot of people in the beginning of that and maybe people that are newer to physical optimization and stuff get caught up in the low-hanging fruit uh, and... um sort of the illusion that if I just get fit enough or anti-aging enough or biohacked enough, then I'm going to have this sense of purpose and fulfillment, right? Like if my HRV scores are right, <laughs> shit, right? Mm-hmm. My blood works on point, then I'm going to be at that end goal, which is isness and being okay with your isness. So that's like the, the extreme of that, of just going full in all physical being. And then what you were alluding to, I think, I experienced a lot of my early days of spirituality with some of the, you know, the meditation teachers that were super out of shape and just kind of ate shitty food and didn't yeah. didn't look vibrant or vital and didn't have that like prana happening. Mm-hmm. But we're very wise mm-hmm. and very still and very spiritual, truly. So I think there is a um, a sweet spot of balance that we can find in working in both. And it seems to me that a lot more people are waking up to both of those. You know, a guy like Ben Greenfield, who's like, look at my abs, you know? And then next thing you know, he's doing his Sunday, you know, Bible study blog posts and talking about God and spirituality and taking plant medicines and emphasizing how important journaling is and all of these kind of things, you know? So you have a lot, of, a lot of people coming from that side that are going, ooh, we need to pay attention to the big picture. Yeah, Dorian Yates, you know, talking about ayahuasca, Mike Tyson talking about Bufo, 5-MeO, DMT, everywhere he goes, right? I want to sit with that. <laughs> so like, oh, you God. know, it's the, the old boundaries are all, are all evaporating. And yeah. now people are understanding that our birthright is all of it. Yeah. You know, like it's all of it. Uh, all right. I'm going to, in the interest of, of time here, 
Uh, let me see. Three, I got you for an hour. All right, good. Oh, Cole's in our thing. I've, I'm trying to learn how to use uh, this app Clubhouse and I don't think I know how. So if anyone hears me on Clubhouse, I'm here with Aubrey Marcus and this is being recorded. Cole told me the other day that you're supposed to say that for some reason. So hi, Cole. Hi, everyone. Um, I, we, could, we could talk about this next thing until the cows come home. <laughs> but I did want to catch up with you because last yeah, time we talked, sure, you know, the relationship thing and, um, you know, Vailana is in the picture who I got to experience in the most profound way uh, mm-hmm. last week. And so I definitely wanted to cover that and just kind of get updated. But um, I don't even know where I want to start with this. So for those listening, uh, Aubrey and I, well, he didn't participate so much, but helped facilitate an experience the other day at a, a, a retreat center of sorts where... Um, I smoked the DMT toad again the second time. Five meo DMT, Bufo alvarius toad. They uh, find uh, this this poison is excreted from this particular toad. Out of all the hundreds of breeds of toad species of toad, this one makes this special goo that can be scraped off, set the toads free. I might add, no need to kill the toads, you collectors. Uh, <laughs> dry it, put it in what is basically a crack or crystal meth pipe, and take one hit. And your entire fucking life is never the same ever, <laughs> ever, ever again. And so this happened the other day with mm-hmm. you. And, and oh my God, thank you so, so much. You're welcome, brother. Thank you so much. So embarrassing to my ego. I cry on almost every one of my goddamn podcasts. <laughs> it's the downfall of like wanting to talk about real stuff, yeah. you know? Sure. But just... To share that space with you and just to have you bear witness to my process, which was so bizarre. I mean, oh my God. Such, such. It's like, I think I said this after, you know, toward the end of the ceremony, kind of the sharing circle of one. Um, it's almost like I don't even want to talk about it because it. it's not that it dilutes it or discounts the experience. It's just... It's almost futile because you're just, you're talking about a realm that is in one way so far removed from what we're doing here and in one way is everything we're doing here. Mm. But I'll give my version of this story and then I want to find out for sure some of your experiences around it. But I just, I just got to kind of unpack this with you because it's just been so, so incredibly beautiful for the past almost a week. I guess it was maybe five days ago. And for the people listening, before I do this, I would like to preface in case I forget later, uh, I do not recommend these experiences for all people at all times. It is something you have to be called with, called to, to educate yourself, to properly vet, set, setting, people that are serving, the whole thing, man. We're getting into like some, whew, what could be very wonky territory if not done extremely mindfully. Yeah. And, and I have a friend who got pretty overzealous with the experiences and, has a really, and is having a really hard time coming back. No doubt. And he's a beautiful and talented and extremely intelligent guy who is a fully integrated human. This is not like a wacko that like took too much acid and got more wacky. This is a regular guy like you and me took a couple of kind of sketchy turns and, and is having a tough time. So mm-hmm. have to say that. Yet, I have to be honest. I don't have to do anything, but I choose to be, <laughs> I choose to be honest. And in that experience and in the integration of that, which is 
full on, by the way, nonstop ever since. It's just, it's hard for me to fathom that there are human beings out amongst us right now that will live an entire lifetime and not have that experience. Yeah. It's really difficult for me to get my head around that and accept that that is not karmically everyone's opportunity. And the other part of me is, I wish everyone listening to this podcast would go do this immediately, but don't, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? I'm just being honest. It's like, oh my God. But I know that's not, you know, that's completely irresponsible, but because my experience is what it is, doesn't mean that someone else's is going to be. And I've had, this would have been my second ceremony with the toad. The first time, obviously groundbreaking to say the least. But for some reason, I was not able to perceive a lasting change that was so obvious and impossible to ignore. The first time it was just like, whoa, okay, that got my attention. But it wasn't at least perceivable that everything had changed and nothing would ever be the same, which is the way it is right now. So maybe it was a stacking effect. Maybe the change was there, but not perceivable. Who knows? It doesn't really matter. But what happened for me that day was that every spiritual truth I've ever studied became (laughs) so hard to articulate. Bear with me, guys. I know this is probably boring. Hang in there. Every spiritual teaching of non-duality, the Vedas, the deepest spiritual teaching, even when I was still using drugs, I remember skimming through a book called I Am That, which is a transcripts Mm. of lectures by Nisargadatta Maharaj. And even in my absolute unconsciousness, I would read bits of that and go, like a caveman seeing fire for the first time, like that, 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 that. Yeah, what is that? Truth. I know that, but I don't even understand what I'm reading kind of thing, you know? And then now, I mean, I, you know, not to get into a spiritual ego, but I could read that and, and get it. Like, yeah, I get non-duality. I get it. But I don't have it as an experience. Mm-hmm. In the initial, <laughs> what can best be described as blast off, <sighs> I understood the meaning of God, the purpose of God, why God does what God does. The fabric of undivided, sublime consciousness and love with no single point of individuality, no witness observing the experience, no participant in the experience, subjectively, I'm gone, not dead, not in my soul form. I'm no longer individual in any way whatsoever. Complete obliteration of lowercase (laughs) s self. Yeah. And yet, in coming out of that, in the integration, remember is not the right word, but I'm still there. Yeah. Even though I'm here. If I wasn't there to experience the absolute, 
allness, everythingness, how do I know it happened? That's the unexplainable. I just know. Mm. Even though I wasn't there, there was no one to be there. Then, <laughs> this where it got really, really weird. I started having what could only be described as a bad trip. As I came out and became individuated again, as what seemed like the observer witness consciousness part of me. And then it was as though I was asked to, to take a stroll down over in this direction over here to the right. Like, let's look at this. And then some part of me, and I want to hear if you remember what I said out loud, because I, I, I'm not sure, but it was just this feeling of not fear. It was just a knowing of, I'm not ready to look at that. And I believe that's what I said, at least inside, is I said, too soon. I'm not, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Yeah, that's exactly what you said. I'm not ready. No. And then I said, no, I'm out. I'm out. Hard stop. This is hard stop. Abort mission. I, put, I took my eye mask off, got up, and was just like, I'm, I'm, no, I can't go there. And then I was in this bad trip. I mean, which is, you can tell me how long in linear time. I'm so curious. But in the span of however long that was, out of coming out of that state of just absolute sublime God consciousness, where I was in the fabric of that consciousness, not in an individual expression of it, but just the allness of it, as I started to gain a little bit more of me coming back, and I was asked to look at that thing, and I said, no, what happened was, I had a dream inside the dream where I had um, announced to the, I was like the most famous person in the world, basically, like the most exaggerated self-perception, super important person. And I was live streaming that whole thing in that space where we were. And I was telling everyone how awesome it is to do these medicines and da, da, da. And then I took it and the whole world was watching and then I was, and then I was in a bad trip and I was like, I fucked up. Why did I take this? And then I watched my whole public persona and career just completely implode. I was the laughing stock of the whole world. So it was like this egocentric nightmare of what the ego's worst nightmare would be, probably worse than dying in the physical sense of still being alive and just being completely ostracized by every living being on the planet. And then thinking about my fiance, Allison, and her always kind of, you know, she's the voice of reason with this stuff. Kind of like, you know, are you really being called? Okay, babe, we talk about this stuff because I'm pretty hardcore mm -hmm. and dumb sometimes. And I saw her and she was like, you know, scratching. She's going, oh God, here he goes. And I was like, <laughs> I'm so sorry, babe, you were right. Ah. And then Bailana was there singing when I opened my eyes. And in when I was still in the dream within the dream, she was looking at me with this like pity. She was like, oh, sweetie, you just ruined your fucking life. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and she was kind of dancing or not dancing, but kind of just swaying and singing. And she was like, oh, poor baby, you just totally fucked yourself. And then I think maybe, you know, I don't know, the words she was saying or singing, something shifted. And then I looked in her eye 
and the universe was there. Mm-hmm. And God was just in her eye, and I just stayed with her eye, man. Yeah. And it was just, I was enraptured by God and laid back and then had other things happen that were just amazing and beautiful and, you know, that. But I remember being in that dream within the dream, kind of. And there was also this part of me that was like embarrassed because I wasn't more gangster in the experience. <laughs> because in med, I mean, I didn't take medicines until I was 22 years sober. Like, I can look at some shit. You know, I mean, there's really nothing that I'm consciously aware of that I won't go headfirst into and face. Sexual abuse as a kid, abandonment, whatever, man. I'm like, okay, God, you want, you're going to give me the courage to look at this and really face it and feel it? Okay, I trust you. I trust God, I think. And I was like, oh my God, I just failed my journey. I said no. I said no to God. He wanted to take me somewhere that felt important. And what is so interesting in the integration, and I'm sorry for hogging up the show here, you know, you're the guest and all, but I don't know, this is just what's happening. Yeah. And we'll have plenty of time, hopefully, for your take on this and your own experiences. But it was oh, it's just so deep, man. It's so fucking deep. I can't even believe I'm talking about it on a podcast. <laughs> it's almost like I'm having a bad trip right now. I'm like, am it's I actually, great. No, this, this is great. actually going to go out into the world. You I know? can't sing and look in your eyes like Bailana, but it's fucking going great. So what was really interesting to me was coming out of the experience. Of course, it ended all was well. I was like, ha, 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 I was having a dream within the dream. It's, I'm fine. I'm safe. Everything's cool. You know, and it was beautiful. But I was nagged by that. What was it that I said no to? What the fuck was that? I don't say no to anything when it comes to surrender. And, you know, without intellectualizing it, I just kept going back into the field during meditation and creating a space to allow whatever that was that I was not ready to face come into my awareness. Not in a forceful way, but just I'm here for it. If anyone, anyone in the room wants to you know, show mm. me, I, I, now I'm definitely willing to look at it because it took me out of the experience. It kind of created a real pattern interrupt that was not fun. Like having your whole ego death in the middle of the most beautiful ego death. Um, and I don't remember what it was, but I've really searched inside to see what it could have been And everything seems so easy and superficial for me that comes to mind. The only thing that I can intuit that it might have been was that I was given the opportunity to see an experience having never been and never going to be. Complete non-existence. There's no soul. There's no spirit of Luke. There's no incarnations of Luke. There's no karma of Luke. There's no me. There never was. You do not exist on any level. The ultimate, ultimate, what I guess you could minimize and reduce to death, right? I'm like, what else would I not be able to face? That's got to be it. And if, in fact, that is it, the cosmic irony and the hilarity of that is that's what just had happened. Yeah. (laughs) When I took the goddamn hit, it had already happened and I lived to tell the tale. So it was as if... 
I went into the space of oneness and unity and non-existence, ever, you know, no existence ever, never will be, never was, as an individual point of consciousness, came out of that. And the ego was like, oh, hell no. We're not going to consider non-existence. And then fought and took me into this really weird writhing, uh, trying to escape from a really powerful psychedelic experience moment to come out of it going, wow, isn't that funny that it kind of was late to the party coming in after the shit had already happened. I already had surrendered to God and into consciousness. And then when it came back to observe it, it being that beautiful part of me that is the ego, that survival self-identifying entity, it came back and said, oh, hell no, pull the plug, Luke. Mm -hmm. What are you doing? Mm -hmm. You're surrendering. We do not surrender. We win. Mm -hmm. We live. Oh, man. And so in the days uh, that have ensued since then, that medicine is 24-7. I'm in it all the time, but very functional. My memory is on point. I'm incredibly organized, cognizant, awake, aware, incredibly happy. But the moment I close my eyes, everythingness is there. When I sit and meditate, I feel like I could sit there forever. Hour, 90 minutes, two hours go by, and it's just, it's just impractical to keep sitting there. And I go, well, what am I, what am I even doing? Just the stillness, the emptiness, the quiet of my mind. I mean, every once in a while, my mind goes quiet without thoughts for a millisecond or two. Game I like to play is what's the next thought going to be? And sometimes there's a little gap that's a perceivable gap where it's just, it's emptiness. Man, I'm having long, long gaps. Yeah. Where there, again, it's not a me there even experiencing it. It's not like meditation. Oh, I'm witnessing my thoughts. I'm watching the clouds go by. I'm watching the grasshoppers, grass in the wheat field. No, there's not even an experiencer there for some periods of time. And I come back and go, was, was I here? No, I wasn't here. The witness wasn't here. And that's also not the point to being in a body because we are here and there's things to do here. But man, to have that as a subtext, as a foundation of this waking state, of this beingness, to have that set like it appears to be set, what else do you need? <laughs> Case closed. <laughs> Case closed. And, and, and in the... In the uh, I could read books about non-duality. Being in non-duality shows you the purpose of duality. So I come back and it's like, you know, looking at politics on Twitter and whatever shit, like going into full duality. It's like, oh yeah, this is fun. This is, God created this to experience itself because I know that you have no experience of a self when it's allness and everythingness. I've experienced my own being of God as no experiencer. So God, damn it, if I was God, I would most certainly produce substrates of reality of good, bad, evil, dark, light, blah, 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 in order to have an experience of myself. Because when it's allness, there's nothing to experience and there's no one to experience it. Right. What you're describing, it really reminds me of a, a Toltec philosophy, which talks about controlled folly. 
And when you have that blistering awareness of what non-duality is and what oneness is and this overwhelming feeling of divinity, which is within us always, then when you look at duality, you have the awareness to say, ah, yes, this is folly, but I'm in control of this folly in the way that I perceive it. My own awareness is my control. It's not that I'm trying to control reality, but my control is the awareness that this is play, that this is for funsies. Right. Right. So let's enjoy this and let's help everybody else enjoy it too, because I know home, you know, capital H home, I know it. And fuck, that feels good too, you know? And so that, and to say feel good is the biggest, you know, minimization and euphemism of what that feeling is. It's the most overwhelming sensation you could possibly ever imagine. But to now be able to look out at life and have that remembrance, that gnosis, as the Greeks would say, that knowing, not just reading about what an avocado is, but having, you know, tasting it full on and knowing like, oh my God, this is a, a something that is indescribable unless you actually put it in your mouth and, you know, dissolve it and metabolize it and taste it. And, and now to have that, then it gives us the space to say, okay, let's reorient from a different perspective and look at life in a different way. And I don't know how else you actually can have proper perspective without that gnosis, which goes to your very first point of, man, we certainly cannot recommend this to everybody. However, if you really want to know the perspective of God, you have to feel what God feels like and be what God is to actually even be able to conceptualize that perspective in a way that even makes sense. And so while we, and I don't recommend this to everybody, that's, it's not sensible to do that. Not everybody's ready. And as you said, the calling and everything needs to be there. But at the same time, it's almost like if you don't experience this, it's, it's really impossible to really know, to really know what that, what that thing is. So then, which then leads you to the same exact feeling that you had, which is like, yes, and like, God, like I really want everybody to experience this. Because yeah. it does, it changes everything forever because you're the ultimate point of perspective has been established. And you understand that. It doesn't mean that you won't forget a million times. We talked about this before the podcast, forget all the time. But you can also remember at any point, at any point when things get gnarly, at any point when you're too lost in your own polarity, too lost in your own struggle, in your own shadow, you can just pause and remember and go back to that perspective and just realize it's all okay. Everything is okay. No matter how bad this feels right now, everything is okay because I remember home and I'm held by that home. It's a part of me and I'm a part of it and it's inexorable. And so that, you know, that is the great gift of this when, medicine. When you first, uh, how, how many uh, times have you done toad at this point? You well, that's an interesting, so that's an interesting way to look at it because like you, I had done toad prior to meeting with the group, which was led by uh, an indigenous man who is trained as a medicine man by the Siri tribe. And that's a tribe down in Mexico that cultivates the toad medicine from the Sonoran desert down there. And before I worked with him and his, um, you know, top apprentice shaman, who's actually a doctor from New York and it's a whole team. And they were uh, amazing. Yeah. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. So my experiences before were similar, but very different. And 
similar in that I was able to reach that space. But like you, it didn't have, you know, I was aware of it and I understood it. And that was life-changing and paradigm shifting in and of itself. But my access to it was limited. And the, and the, when I was afterward, afterwards, in all my previous experiences. Okay. When I first worked with that team, then everything changed. Then it became a part of me. And I really think perhaps some of it was that I was ready, but I really think that their expertise, their level of mastery in delivering this medicine in both how it was cultivated, because they're, you know, hands-on, you know, with the cultivators and the energy of that to the way that they facilitate, the amount that they facilitate, every different aspect being at the highest form possible. It just creates a different experience that allows you to have access and allowed me to have access to it in a different level, similar to what you're describing. So I'd, I'd had, you know, Bufo probably four times before I think the fifth time was with them. And um, that was the one that was the big shift. And after that experience, then, you know, a couple of weeks. So that was maybe a month ago that I had my first experience. And then they invited me to then participate in the facilitation and an initiation rite for myself and Vailana to help, you know, be a co-facilitator and be an apprentice in the way that they offer it, which was an incredible gift to be able to be offered that. And during that process, the way that they actually facilitate these experiences is the facilitators actually take a bit of the medicine with the initiate, with the person. <laughs> and I didn't understand this at first, although all the ayahuascaros that I've been with, they drink a little bit of medicine. You know, Don Howard, the great Wachumero who served the Wachuma medicine, he would take medicine with you. And so I knew, I understood that the shaman's entering the space with you, you know, as the highest articulation of shamanism, but I didn't really understand why. And then jumping in to this process, I understood why. because what ends up happening is you form a sympathetic quantum entanglement with the person who's having an experience. So who, whatever experience they're having, you're having. If they want to purge, you purge. If they're crying, you're crying. If they're coughing, you're coughing. It blew my mind the first time I was a part of this. And it's not the same dose. You're taking just a small amount in comparison to the large amount of the So person. you're not getting the full... Every once in a while, if the other, you know, so that happened, um, that happened maybe. So I facilitated for, you know, co-facilitated for nine people. And I think that was an experience that happened maybe one time really. And then another time, but that was because that person was also in such a space that they were just fully open to that experience. And that was the only thing that was there. And so we all went there too, Mm -hmm. without any other stuff that was kind of interfering with that and also the we had the the space to just dissolve with them and that was the way that we could do it but what's interesting is it allows it allows the the shamans and obviously they're far more skilled at this than you know I will ever be but it allows you the opportunity to because you have this sympathetic link you can both work on yourself or work on the person but typically what's the most easy to access is self so if you know, you feel like you need to purge because they need to purge. Your act of purging is going to help them. And I felt that from their side, like as they went through this and actually dealt with the stuff that I was going through, 
I could feel it helping me just as, as I was moving through this other stuff. I could feel it helping the people there. So if someone was anxious, I could calm myself because I would be anxious. If I was confused, I would find the, like the grounding cords to understand things because they were confused. Like there was all of these ways that by working on self, you could affect you know, the whole collective that was there. So it was really, really beautiful. It's the longest way ever to answer the question since, you know, so my fifth experience with this team since then, because we facilitated for nine people, that's nine more. Plus I had, you know, my own journeys on the other side. So that was probably another 11 or so, you know, that, that, uh, that weekend. So now I've done it quite a few times in the, in the teens somewhere. And, uh, and I really feel like I understand that, understand that medicine space, but it wasn't until I really worked with that crew that I got that really breakthrough experience in the fact that I could take it with me wherever I go from henceforth from there on forward for real (laughs) we'll be right back at you after this brief but important announcement if you're enjoying this episode of the podcast you should know that it would not be possible without support from our friends over at beekeepers naturals Now, when I sat down to cut this run of 2021 ads, I thought, which one do I want to start with? And it immediately came to mind that I use the Propolis Throat Spray more often than any of their other amazing products, as delicious and useful as they are. I always travel with the throat spray. I use it on airplanes, anywhere I'm going to be around other people's funk, when the air is dirty and germy. And I also keep it by my bedside to use first thing in the morning when I wake up, especially in dry climates where I get a little bit of sore throat or if I'm just feeling like a twinge of a cold or something like that possibly coming on. The Propolis Throat Spray is not only a powerful natural medicine, but it also tastes delicious. It's kind of like a mild honey flavor. In fact, it's so delicious that my fiance Allison saw me using this stuff so often that eventually she jacked the bottle of it for herself because there's a few around the house. She's free to do so, of course. And now she's on board with it and she travels with it as well. So it is a family favorite. These little bee creatures make some incredible stuff and bee propolis is one of my favorites. It delivers natural germ-fighting properties and antioxidants to help protect our body. It's also sustainably sourced and this spray is made with just three simple ingredients. So you're never going to find any refined sugars, dyes, dirty chemical, none of that swag ever. So if you're ready to check out the Beekeepers Naturals Propolis Throat Spray, here's what you do. Go to beekeepersnaturals.com slash lukestory. That's beekeepersnaturals.com slash lukestory. The spelling is B-E-E-K-E-E-P-E-R-S-N-A-T-U-R-A-L-S. Beekeepersnaturals.com slash lukestory. And if you use that link, which of course is also easily clickable in the show notes for this episode, you're going to save yourself 15% off. And now back to the interview. I mean, I'm, dude, I've been meditating for over 20 years in one form or another. And I mean, like I said, I just, every day I kind of wake up going, it's probably gone now. It's going to be normal <laughs> again. You know, I love to meditate. I don't judge my meditation. You know, I'm not right. like, ooh, it's not a good meditation. I come from the Vedic meditation uh, school and, you know, I've done a lot of different things. But one thing I really got from Vedic was there's no bad meditation. Like sometimes you have busy mind. Great. That was a great meditation. Sometimes you have still mind. Same thing, right? Mm-hmm. But 
obviously, I prefer the vastness of that space, the expansive type of meditation. And I just, every day I'm kind of shocked that it's, I still have the capacity to just drop in. And it's like, I can't wait to take a shower so I can go meditate. <laughs> I mean, I'm just like, it's all I want to do. You know, it's just, it's yeah. incredible. It's just, oh my Lord. Um, so I can give a perspective, particularly to your experience yeah, because please do. I was there with you. Wow. It wasn't like I was observing you. I was there with you, which is one of the things that when we came out and we had our little walkabout, I was in so much gratitude for you because so much of what you were processing was things that I could help, you know, I needed help processing too. And I was processing them with you. So you drop in and we feel you merge, you know, merge with source in a, just a beautiful surrendered way. And you're in peace on the mat. And then at that point, if you're actually, you know, doing a brain scan, your default mode network is completely offline. That thing that, that powers the ego, the ego that says, I am not everything, I am self, you know, which is the ego. That part is completely offline. And so we're all there in this deeply peaceful state. And that's not always the case. You know, I facilitated for nine. I've watched other people go through different experiences. Sometimes right off the bat, it's resistance. Resistance really? the whole way. How could you resist that? It's, it's it, so I powerful, know. man. I mean, there's like, even if you, dude, no, this <laughs> never, even if you're like, all right, I'm about to take a hit of the shit. And you're like, <laughs> I'm not going down. Like you're gone. I just can't imagine <laughs> the magnitude of that medicine, not just yeah. Wiping you clean. And they don't remember the, the people in resistance have no memory of it. Wow. So like no matter what happens, whether you're, you know, they're standing up and you're dancing with them and it's like a crazy weekend at Bernie's, which was an experience we had where it was like weekend at Bernie's where someone's like <laughs> moving around and we're like moving with them and this whole thing yeah. was happening. Yeah. Like, and then they come to standing and they're like, why am I standing? You're like, ah, you just had a nice dance with the medicine. Yeah. Meanwhile, it was fucking chaos for 20 minutes. You know, in my first it. sit, someone was very, very physical like that. A small, uh, smaller girl. Yeah, yeah, really getting squirrely. And I was, I had not uh, had mine yet. And I was like, oh, shit. What's happening here, man? And talk, you know, talking, saying crazy shit, like acting super weird. Yeah, when man. you're not on medicine and you see someone that deep in an experience, it's pretty jarring. I bet. You know? I bet because you're not feeling what they're feeling. So you don't really, under yeah, you don't really understand it. Yeah. You know, but with everybody, like when you're on the medicine, you understand it. Like you feel what they're feeling. You feel where the resistance comes from. Maybe it's because the body hasn't been allowed to talk. And now that the mind's out of the way, the body's expressing and the body needs to get something out or some shadow aspect of the psyche now has the freedom, some subconscious element that can now come forward. And this is all part of the healing process. Like all the doors are blown off when the, the guard, the dampening factor, the ego that holds everything together, it's like there's nothing holding anything together. So anything that's there that's been pressurized releases mm -hmm. you know so the pressurization of everything you've hold and sometimes that happens instantly sometimes that happens later sometimes it doesn't happen at all every every experience is a, is a perfect experience and that's it's only in our own mind that we think oh this one's better than that this was the gangster way this one this person's done the work <laughs> right, you know like we right. could all get in all those traps right. again but right. all not true so anyways you have your five minutes of that and then 
then at some point, the default mode network starts to come back online and Luke was back there. And at the point where Luke was somewhat back, that's when you started to go through and you described it exactly. Those were you know, the abort, things I ab- said? Abort mission, hard stop. <laughs> you know, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Hard stop. You know, uh, like, and in that experience, then, you know, intuitively, um, Vailana and you kind of like sat up and Vailana moved over to the front of the mat and just started singing and looking in your eyes and you were just staring right in her eyes. And this beautiful thing happened between you guys for probably over 10 minutes of linear time where she was just singing and you guys just had this like perfect eye contact and it took you about five minutes to really like receive it. And like, and I could see that I could feel the softening and I could feel that sympathetic link between you and this just angelic voice coming through her. And then you starting to breathe, starting to like calm, starting to like smile a little bit and then, and really see it. And it was just a beautiful moment. Then you lay back down having worked, having worked through that, that process. Mm -hmm. So we're about 20 minutes in of total linear time. And at that point, the part that you left out of the story is you went into the most beautiful prayer that I can remember in, I mean, in, in any medicine space. I've never heard a more beautiful prayer. And it was a prayer for yourself to remember everything that you were feeling. And it, was, it covered everything from your anxieties and your stresses about work and about finances and about your responsibility for the world and how... You could just trust more and let that go and believe in yourself and trust that, you know, you were being held and that you were safe, always safe and trust your, trust yourself and trust everybody around you. And I, I actually like at some point you're halfway through it and I'm like, this is a prayer for all humankind, for me, for every person, you know, men, I think in particular, but all humans, you know, feel all of this pressure, the weight of everything we have to hold and how you were just impeccably and with so much heart expressing this prayer of both gratitude and intention um, for, for this remembrance. And at some point I went to reach, you know, and grab a, I was going to grab a recording for you, but it didn't, I was, you know, still in the medicine too. So I was like, ah, trying to get this. Cause I would have loved to have that prayer, but it's there in the, it's, it, I was there to witness it and feel it. And it was beautiful. And then that was the that was another key turning point in the journey because after that there was just absolute you know stillness and peace and there was some there was some tears and there was some things as you were kind of releasing and for me that that happens often too as I release you know the pain of who I once was with the truth of who I now am and then the gap you know necessary to fill that gap is a mourning you know a mourning for the pain that I suffered that was unnecessary and everything that I've hold in that release that kind of somatically lets go. And uh, so then for, you know, that prayer was maybe a five minute prayer. And then for the next 20 minutes or so, um, you were just kind of integrating that and then allowing it to move through your body, shaking some things out, moving your neck, actually did a little body work on your shoulders oh, and you? neck. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, I was like, oh, somebody's mind reading here. Thank <laughs> you. Well, the interesting thing is I could feel where your tension was because mm. I could feel it in myself. Mm. You know, so it's like I knew, and there's a lot of schools of thought. Some people say like 
don't interfere with the experience at all. Just allow them to. I think everybody has, you know, has the has the invitation to have their own style. And I trusted that, that this was my own way to be guided by what spirit was telling me. And it was, if I can, I know what's going on. And if I can assist, I will, you know, not to interfere with your journey, but just to support it. So I could feel where that was. So I was kind of helping, helping you move through that a little bit, just shoulders and neck areas where there was tension. You were kind of shaking out your legs and, and just kind of letting it all move through. And then at about 45 minutes from the time you took it, you know, you just sit up and you're like, whoa, <laughs> I got to express to you, you know, I'll, you know, I don't want to share everything because it's, I want to sit with it, but just uh, a few reflections on the journey. And, uh, and that was it. And then an hour in, you know, we're out taking a little walk, you know, taking a little walk outside and, and chatting about it. And so everything was completely encapsulated in, in an hour from you know absolute baseline all the way to god all the way through the resistance all the way into this deep acceptance this prayer for all humanity out through your moving into it somatically and then chatting about it and having a laugh all over the course of one hour so so wild dude you know to um shit we only have 15 minutes to unpack the entire fabric of consciousness (laughs) um that is that is one of the things. I mean, of course, in the medicine space, there's no time. In the quantum realm, there's 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 no linear time. Like, okay, we get that. But what always fascinates me is the, know, for lack of a better term, no, not work, but progress. The amount of progress that one can make in such a short span of linear time, particularly, obviously, with this medicine, is just astonishing. It's another... A bit of evidence that things are not what they seem. Mm-hmm. Even in my first toad experience, which I don't know why this didn't strike me as like more meaningful, but I kind of witnessed and experienced and grieved a number of lifetimes in India where I had my body had been burned on the Ganges just over and over again, just seeking God over and over again, seeking God, seeking God. And this is like, I'm not living each lifetime from like, I'm born and then I die at 85, mm-hmm. but just great expanses of what would be linear time in terms of the narrative that I'm experiencing. And that's probably happening in two minutes of that experience, you know, or the, the part that I don't even want to call it a bad trip. Let's just call it the, the totally psychotic part of this particular experience <laughs> that I went through with you. I mean, you said, and I think one of the other facilitators was like, yeah, that was probably about two minutes that you were doing that shit or five minutes, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, that when I was in that experience, it was going on and on and on. <laughs> and like everyone is laughing at me on social media. And I was on the cover of magazines as the biggest joke. The, you know, Mr. Promoter of Psychedelics has the worst trip ever and publicly nukes his whole life. You know, all that shit that happened, it went on for quite a while, you know? Yeah. Even after I opened my eyes, as I said, I was looking in her eyes and I was like, oh my God, she's laughing at like what I just did to myself and all that. But those sublime moments, like the moment where I submitted that prayer of surrender you know, that also goes on forever. Mm. You know, it's just like, oh yeah. I remember when I have that, you know, when there's an experiencer, like there is with ayahuasca or something, you know, there's the experiencer, but there is also that deep merging too. 
So it's not, you're not gone, you're there, but there's so much less of the intellect, the ego and the personality present. It, it just sometimes is, seems like it's almost totally gone and just the pure experiencer of the witness of the soul higher consciousness that is a single expression of you is still there, you know? And I think that was kind of what I went into in that prayer. It was like, yeah, I'm Luke. I know I'm not, but I am right now. I am <laughs> yeah, right now and sure. I'm giving you fucking Luke, God. Yeah. I'm, I'm here. I give you everything. Yeah. Even though you already have everything, <laughs> even though there's nothing of me really to give because we are only one thing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to play along and give you this thing that I think I am right now mm-hmm. and forever, you know? But man, I knew Aubrey when I was saying that prayer. I was also like, use your words wisely right now, Luke. <laughs> you yeah. know? Because yeah. I am with the Almighty in a really profound way. And whew, if you don't mean this shit, don't say it. Yeah. Because you're accountable now. Yeah. To yourself. Course. In your own evolution, not to the punishing God of, you know, of falsehood, but just like, am I really saying this? Okay. I can feel my body kind of undulating now. It's like, oh, I remember that. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. nervous system, you ready for this? <laughs> Here we go. Let okay, it all go. Take me, you know, God, how beautiful. What a beautiful experience to share with you, man. Yeah, man. It's just, oh. Yeah, I feel so I feel so honored and grateful to be able to go through that experience with you. You know, it was so relevant. It was uh so relevant for me in particular, and I think I think for everybody, but me even more so than the other, you know, there's five of us, of us other facilitators there. And you know, for me in particular, because I'm a podcaster and because we're similar in many of the ways and we have a public facing side and you know, so many of the things that you were surrendering in that prayer, so many of the things that you were going through were fears that I have at some level or another or anxieties that I have at some level. So the work that you did that day was work that I got to go through as well and got to experience. And in that case, you know, while there were certain points where I was doing some work for you at that point, you were doing work for me. And so the reciprocity was contained in the mm. in the thing itself and that's the beautiful part of it is when you recognize that the oneness of all things you realize that there is nobody who's going through something that doesn't affect you like anybody's growth is your growth your growth is anybody's growth like it's all into the collective and in this case it just becomes very visceral because you can feel it directly one for one also to understand that there's a level of truth in which everybody going through this, putting that out into the collective, into the you know giant morphic resonance field, as Rupert Sheldrake would call it, like putting that out there is doing the work for humanity, is doing the work for God, you know, yeah. which is fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah, exactly, man. This is my, uh, it's my version of marching in the streets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, lifting the tide so that uh, perhaps all boats might float a little higher, you know, which, you know, there's a cop-out element to that too. Like, I'm just going to work on myself and get more spiritual and raise my consciousness. And that's how I serve. Uh, it sounds like it could be... Um, a way out of having to really contribute. But I, I truly believe that that is my contribution is just in continuing to evolve. And I don't even want to say continuing to heal because 
after something like this, it's like, I am healed. You know, sometimes you just forget that. Yeah, it's remembering yeah. and healing. Well, also too, I mean, look what we're doing now. You know, I mean, the, the tens of thousands of people at minimum who are going to see this. So it's not just that you're in a monastery somewhere and doing your work purely with the collective. You're doing the work and a lot of the pressure you felt was because you've opened a window to the most intimate living room of your own psyche. And yeah. you have everybody, a throng of people looking in like, what's going on over here with Luke? And you've made that deep commitment God, to, share all, to share all that. Dude, I just had this thing like, Luke, what are you doing? You know, same thing like in the ceremony. It's that same thing. It's like, but what, what, what will people think? You know? Yeah. Who cares? Oh my God. Um, in closing, all right, I got you for six minutes. I'm I'm guessing some people are going to listen to this conversation and uh, maybe a couple of them are thinking, what the hell are these guys talking about? This makes no sense. <laughs> I think most people that dial into my show are about this life, mm-hmm. right? Like for real. The people that I've met at my workshops and things, like they're they're all in. They're They're going for the long game, you know? And it's so beautiful to keep that kind of holy company. But I do get feedback from people that are like, wow, God, I live in Kansas. And like, I don't know anyone into this stuff. Like they're not in our circles, you know? And they want to explore these kind of things. And I'm, I'm always kind of pressed for how to point someone in the right direction, especially due to the legality of these things too. Oftentimes you have to go out of the country because of the, you know, the legal implications and risks. And even if you're doing it in country and it's illegal, no one's going to tell you who they did it with and where it was. And it's just murky. But I also don't want to exclude people from the experience. So with this particular medicine... What do you think might be a starting point if someone wants to explore the idea or the sense that they might be called to start to study up, to learn, and then further at some point, perhaps have this type of experience if it's appropriate for them and they have determined within their sovereignty that it is so. And what that looks like to me is getting a text from you recently, hey, Heads up, this thing's going on. Ding, 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 ding. Clear yes. Yeah. Slept on it. Talked to my wise partner about it. Meditated on it. Prayed on it. Check back in. Ding, ding, ding. Go, go, go. <laughs> you, you got, you're doing this. Yeah. That's it. You know? So I, I think we have to let go of this linear pattern of how we get things done as in the, in the, typical masculine archetype and of course men and women can tap into this masculine archetype which is it all it's all about doing it's about this domino leads to this domino leads to this domino and while cause and effect is a real thing there's something more metaphysical and more in the chaos of you know the quantum feminine the the void the pregnant void of all possibilities that's happening here and so i don't have a place where people can go and research and you know, but with this knowledge, and if you start to open up to that intention, you'll start naturally gravitating to more people who've experienced this, who've embodied this understanding, who've worked with the medicine. And you'll just start listening. You'll start intuitively starting to associate with some different types of people. Some different friends will come into your life, people that you might not have noticed that in or who might have casually mentioned it and you might have just not paid attention. Once you set that intention, you'll start to notice it. You'll start to pay attention. You'll start to gravitate towards it. And then inevitably that person or that person who introduces you to this person will then at some point say, hey, this thing is happening. 
And then that will be your opportunity to feel in just like you did and say, is this a yes or is this a no? I look forward to the time when you know, we can really have this all out completely in the open. And while it's legal in Mexico and well, decriminalized in Mexico in some places, I don't have a retreat center that I can recommend or anything like that, like I can with ayahuasca or something. Um, so the way now is to just open yourself up energetically to this and start to find yourself in these conversations and find yourself amongst the groups that are starting to do this work and trust, trust that just as much as you're seeking that it's seeking you, you know, like if you, if you're seeking the toad, the toad is seeking you and like, you got to realize that and just allow the mystery of how that thing is going to happen to happen. And I, I would bet you it's going to blow your mind at how it actually works out because it's just going to be this crazy synchronicity. I think uh, in, in closing, perhaps the most profound thing about all of this is that God decided by design to put this particular molecule in the poison excretion of one goddamn toad yeah. on planet earth. I mean, I know there's, you know, there's forms of DMT and other things, but as far as I understand this particular molecule is only present in this toad, right? Otherwise, it's a synthetic. In this pure concentration, yes. Yeah. There are some plants that have a little bit of it. There's a, a snuff called Vilca that has some, but it's mixed with other things. So you don't get the same experience. You get yeah. a, a different version, a different flavor with a little bit of toppings of this right. experience. This is like, God, I wish I... Please, uh, consciousness, send me a great metaphor here. If one was to compare with other psychedelic... Uh, drugs, plant medicines, fungi, etc. In my subjective experience, and I think I've done just about all of them except iboga and uh, and wachuma. Actually, mm -hmm. those two I've never done out of all of them. DMT, this form of DMT, is like all those others are beautiful feathers, and this is a sledgehammer. You know, mm -hmm. it's just indescribably more powerful. Yeah. in every way than any of those experiences as beautiful and healing and profound as, as they can be. It's almost, I don't know, there's a certain personality to other medicine. Like I love mushrooms. I just, they're my little buddies. I love of course. them. Uh, and they just, they really agree with me on, on every level. And there's a certain sweetness and a certain medicine and revelation, of course, present in that communication tool with consciousness. It's how I kind of look at the medicines. It's like their little cell phones, you know, and they each have their own kind of way of connecting on a certain frequency. Uh, and it subjectively feels different and looks different. But this is like, this on another level, almost to the point where I'm like, why would I ever have to do anything ever again? Even this almost, you know? Yeah. It's a part of me that's like, I got to get an answer. What, what did I say no to? I think that'll plague me until, I, until God shows me for sure. And I'm like, yep, that's what it said no to. Because right now I'm guessing, you know, a little. I think I know. But uh, I think this experience is just so powerful that it's almost like you never need to do anything ever again. Although I probably will. Because yeah. I'm just such a curious soul. You know, well, I just, I want to know truth in all its forms and at the highest capacity possible. All these medicines are bridges. They're bridges to an alternate reality, alternate realities of consciousness. And 
while every medicine is a bridge and sometimes the bridge is there, Iboga, the bridge is there for 24 hours. It's a long duration of that bridge and you're traveling back and forth on that bridge, getting all the wisdom from Dr. Iboga, as they call it. Yeah, ayahuasca, six to, you know, four to four to eight hours, really. Sometimes it lasts longer for people. Mushrooms, usually about five hours at the, at the higher end. LSD is, you know, definitely longer than that, about eight. So everything at Wachuma is more like 10 Everything has a duration and a different access point to different typical realities. Doesn't mean that as you're crossing over other realities, different ones can pop in and different things can come through. This is the only one that doesn't feel like a bridge. It feels like the other side of the ultimate bridge, the capital B bridge that bridges between you and God. It collapses like that space-time continuum where space-time bend and one point becomes the other point, like a superposition. It's just like, and the rest of the bridge is missing. So it's now you have the fixed point of consciousness, that point of oneness all the way back to where there is no differentiation. Imagine it like that point of the Big Bang where everything is just blistering white potential before it explodes into the universe. Like you're at that one point, that one frozen moment right before it all differentiates. And so this is that essential essential way to get back to that. But all of the other medicines, then they provide you the way to fill in, you know, they can help you fill in all of the dimensions in between you and this one point. And so that's kind of how I look at it is Mm -hmm. that while you could, you know, ultimately by knowing this fixed point, maybe not even need to fill in the rest or, you know, just choose not to, or and you would be totally fine knowing this point and knowing where you are. I think that the other medicines really can help fill in with that, you know, colored pencils of all of the other, you know, elements of psyche and the subconscious and your emotional state and other interactions with other beings that are differentiated at, you know, higher levels, you know, in different uh, aggregations of awareness that have come through these different archetypal beings that you might encounter realms of the angels or realms of right. you know, darker darker forces which are still teachers in a way that are holding polarity so yeah well this gives you that fixed point everything else is the is the fill in the blanks wow beautifully said that's a really a really profound articulation and a great way, unfortunately, to end our episode here. <laughs> um, well, we've done three, so what's four? Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah, I know. Come back. I know. You know, it's it's funny though, in, in, in observing it, I'll just say this real quick. It's, you know, you being invited and called to facilitate this medicine. Uh, you know, I might be a little overzealous because I'm still fresh in the experience, but I got to say, I have had the thought many times, kind of like, what are you doing with your life? Like, <laughs> you need to go find out how to serve this medicine yeah. or at least just share in the experience just to be in the room while this is happening to and for someone. I mean, that in and of itself, having experienced it, wow, what a karmic freaking lottery. But to experience the other experiencing, what a what a life, you know. I've really I have had that thought many times. Like, I don't know. I I hope that's not my calling because woof, that sounds like a rough road in many ways. Yeah. So so many pitfalls to play with in that. I mean, talk about karmic responsibility and whew, I don't know if I could do it, but man, God, to just be able to participate in and observe and hold space for such. A profoundly beautiful experience. So yeah, it's uh, I and I, 
you know, I would encourage you to, you know, pursue that, but not with this idea that it's binary, not with this idea that if you, if you do, you know, bring yourself to the level where you can, doesn't mean mm-hmm. you will. And that's kind yeah. of the place where I'm at. Like, you know, they blessed me with this kind of like, all right, you know, you're, you're young in this, but we trust you. You know, we trust you to carry this if you feel called. And I don't necessarily feel called. You know, it's like, right, it's like right. they're like, you know, after going through this experience, we try, we've watched you, we've worked with you, we've coached you, we've, you know, you've been through this with nine people under our guidance. And the last, the last time they really let me take the helm and Vailana as well. And they're like, all right, you guys, like if you're called to this, you know, you have our blessing. But still, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> You're like, I'm not sure about that. But I, but I'm, I'm glad to know that, like, if if I was really called to, I feel capable of yeah. doing that, and yeah. and that's a that's a beautiful thing to be in because as you know, as the the doctor who was there, the doctor who turned shaman, who actually did devote his whole life, he burned his prescription pad and devoted himself to this full time, and which is absolutely the right choice having work with him. But, you know, there's these situations where someone will call him on their way to committing suicide and, and he'll be like, all right, I hear you. You know, this life is gnarly and I get it. How about you just give this one experience a chance? And at the end of that, if you still feel the same way, I bless you. Go for it. And at that point, and at that point, people who have nothing to lose, they're like, yeah, all right, fuck it. You know, like. I'll give you this one, I'll give this one experience a shot, you know, because they hear the trust in his voice. And he's had many, many of those experiences where he's led someone through that. And they're like, well, I don't even know what I was thinking. That person who was wanting to kill himself, that person's gone, you know? So to just to know that that's, that's now possible. And because maybe, you know, of course, I would still want to like lead them back to the source, you know, like, go to Mexico or go wherever to find, you know, find the people. And, but if I, if I had to, if I was like, no, I can't wait that long. I don't want to do it. Like I could show up, you know, I could show up and I could do my best, do my best to do God's work in that way and, uh, and be proficient enough. So that, that's a good feeling for me. And I think that's to me where, where I feel with it. It's just like, all right. Yeah. If necessary, I can, I could offer that. That makes sense. And I think I'm, when the idea has presented itself, it's it's coming in absolutes. Like right. I, I would just do that <laughs> and move off somewhere, you know, to Mexico or whatever. And like I, that's all I do. Like I just blow the rest of my life's work off. <laughs> that's just how I think. You know, in absolutes, I'm silly like that. Uh, I'm gonna let you go out of uh, respect, unfortunately, for your time. Um, who have been three teachers or teachings that have influenced your work that our listeners might be able to go check out? Uh, Don Miguel Ruiz. And um, it actually, even even Carlos Castaneda, who is also another Toltec uh, initiate, but uh, Castaneda has some real kind of personal personal issues with the way that he lived his life. If you actually look at his history, but I got a lot from his teachings. But the Toltec school has been one that's really big, and I think for people interested in diving in, it's another complete system. Uh, Anthony Demello is another one. His book Awareness is one of the most ruthless and blistering explorations of consciousness and the pathway to live, uh, live life. And, um, the other one I I think is, is experience, you know, as a, as a teacher and just to know that, um, that 
whatever that is and, and whether that's ecstatic dance practice meditation practice plant medicine practice breathwork practice cold practice you know like find the ways to that's the ultimate teacher but if i was going to give two other ones i would say check into what the toltecs were into because not a lot of people have gone to the depth to really understand that it is a is a complete system and uh and then anthony DeMello is another one cool thank you man yeah sure. that book and and his name have popped up a lot i gotta i gotta look into that mm-hmm. um what about websites fit for service yeah aubreymarcus.com aubreymarcus mm-hmm. on instagram give people a little taste of fit for service because i don't i'm not even totally clear about what you do i just see some stuff on instagram i'm like whoa dude homeboy put together a very cool program community yeah it's it's honestly you know i, I put a ton of pressure on myself to always do more and you know always be contributing in the maximum way possible and i had a i had the idea come to me when i was sitting in a wachuma journey with you know my spiritual mentor don howard who led through that great plant medicine tradition um i went through with 20 people five of which i knew 15 of which i didn't and we formed this incredible bond together and i recognized that the ability to bond a group together a community together through rites of passage was an inexplainable force and so i had the idea like how to bring this forward now of course plant medicines are not a part of what fit for service offers although many of the members do have their own journeys but recognizing that if we brought a community together that was bonded by vulnerability truth authenticity and led them through the great transformational rites of passage interactions with nature the cold the heat uh breath work practice ecstatic dance practice meditation practice sound healing practice put that all together where we were all in containers designed to bring us to our most vulnerable state and see self in other that it would be something that was exponentially greater than the sum of its parts and it really it's been two years now we've been running it and it's far exceeded my idea of what was possible so it's a group of 150 people at a time we respect dunbar's number of you know the maximum amount that can be held in a tribe there's an application process and then we go around the world just experiencing these great transformational medicines there's a program that we put together there's you know a variety of coaches violana is one of them and then we bring in other master coaches and you know conscious musicians and it's been really incredible but to go back to what i was saying about the pressure for me to always want to contribute more and do more at the end of our last summit in Sedona, which is a five-day experience out in Sedona, and we were doing all the, all the different great practices that I mentioned, I was sitting there and just seeing the growth and feeling the growth that has come through everybody in this and watching it happen you know, in real time as I'm communicating with everybody and talking to them and feeling them and hearing their stories. I recognized that if I did nothing else, this thing alone was enough. And there's never wow. been anything else that I've done where I've really felt that. So not founding on it, not writing my book, not in my podcast, all of this I'm grateful for, my ability to contribute. But this thing of all the things was the thing that was like, if you did nothing else but this the rest of your life, like you've served the medicine in a, in a beautiful in a way that was absolutely enough. And that was a, a great release for me. I bet. You know, I was like, I oh my God, thank you. You no, know, that's that's amazing, dude. I totally relate to that because I don't, I've not found that thing yet. Yeah. I don't know what my thing is exactly. I, there's all kinds of ideas and 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 whatnot, but I'm really 
grateful for you to be able to see that through to fruition and to get that like, aha, here we go. This is a worthy mission that's fulfilling and does all the things, you know, it's really cool. Yeah. So the challenge though, is it's only 150 people at a time. So um, starting at the start of the year, we developed an online platform for it, which is a iOS Android app. And it's called Fit for Service Academy. So if you want to get a taste of what that community is like, we are uploading like exclusive sound healings and meditations and dances and different things that people can experience together. It doesn't have the in-person component, but it will have a community of these people who are all interested in that and the ability to meet these people who very well will become your lifelong allies. I think in a survey we did, 100% of people said that they met people who would become who they believe to be friends and allies for the rest of their life. So like the ability to connect with these different individuals that, you know, have had similar experiences and gone through these similar processes and have that same drive to be the most that they can be as a human and as, um, as a spiritual being as well. So yeah, I would encourage people to check that out. It's in the app store, fit for service Academy. Uh, obviously, you know, my podcasts, Aubrey Marcus podcasts, at Aubrey Marcus, pretty much everywhere else. So Awesome, man. And uh, I got some poetry that I'm coming out with, which is my way of expressing my own emotions around a lot of the things that have been happening in 2020 that we share some similar strong emotions about. Uh, so keep a lookout for that. I'll be oh, releasing cool. all that soon. So cool, I can't man. wait to share that with you too. Awesome, likewise. Yeah, it's kind of like this is my way of... Emotions are always, you know, when emotions are present, they want an outlet. and I think the outlet of just saying it is one thing, but when I can transmute it into art, which is my poetry, mm-hmm. and then it just allow it to be an emotion and not worry about making the impeccable argument and you know addressing every potential rebuttal from every different angle, which seems exhausting and Sisyphean in its quest to actually reach a level of impact. I'm just like, you know what? I can just express this in my poetry, let it be art, and just say, hashtag art. You know, I'm like you guys take it with it what you want. I'm not going to defend my art. It's my art. You know, it's it's a feeling that I felt, and that's so awesome. uh, it feels really good to me to be able to finally get to a place where um, you know, that's coming through me as well. Right on, right on. That's great. That's a that's a good idea. I like that hashtag art. You can almost. I mean, we have our censorship problems, but you can almost say anything and do anything. (laughs) Call it art. (laughs) Performance art. Yeah, Yeah. that's cool, man. Good for you. Well, thanks, dude, again for, you know, the invite uh, last week and for coming on the show again. It's really great to catch up with you. And also just being out here in Austin, I felt like I just, you know, I'm in your hood. I'm in your kind of turf here and meeting so many great people that we know mutually. It just feels really good to be here and be able to really ground in and sit with you in this way. So thank you. We just need the housing gods to bless you with a solution here. And then this is a permanent thing. I know, dude. We looked at a place today. It was pretty cool, but we we had to logically just say it's too small to put our podcast studio in. Yeah. You know, I just didn't have the buildability, but it was it was a start. All right. And it was a stretch too. It was like a, well, we can't afford this. No, don't say that. We can, you know. <laughs> it's one of those like kind of feel like imposters with the realtor walking in, like, yeah, no, we totally got <laughs> yeah, the budget for this. But uh, but we're we're thinking big and you know, stretching the capacity for possibilities. And and actually after last week, I mean, it's like I talk about like limiting beliefs and all this kind of shit. It's like, wow, those all just got no, I mean, not that they can't come back, but in the realm of, I mean, beyond potentiality, in the realm of everything already exists everywhere all the time, in all time, 
Um, you know, the idea of getting a house, it's like, well, that should be super dumb easy, <laughs> you know, like manifestation right. wise. So I'm really, really been staying in that and just allowing that to kind of undulate and especially in meditation, not even attaching to like, I'm going to manifest a house, but just like, whoa, what if I just let God just do God's thing here, <laughs> yeah. you know, totally, and, and just observe how ridiculously better that's going to be than anything I could come up with in my rigid preconceived plan for what best serves me. Yeah. Intention and surrender. That that ever-present dance. Yeah. All right, man. Well, thank you. I'm going to let you get out of here. Of course, brother. Appreciate you coming by. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate y'all. So that, my friends, brings episode 326 to a close. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to share it with a friend. I'm also going to take a moment to invite you to next week's episode, Find Your Soul Mission. Is your passion your purpose? Find out with Christine Hassler, which is another episode recorded in Austin, Texas on my recent podcast tour. I'd also like to invite you to follow me on Instagram at Luke Story, S-T-O-R-E-Y, wherein you'll have the opportunity to watch all of these interviews live as they happen in real time on my Instagram live feed, as well as documentation of all things lifestylist. And uh, hopefully you'll find some inspiration and education over there. So again, that's on Instagram at Luke Story. Uh, wow, what a conversation this was. What an experience. This is one of those ones I, it's like part of me is afraid to listen back to because I remember in the moment going, oh my God, am I going here? Am I going here? And I just sort of let it happen. And uh, the funny thing about that is, as you just listened to the episode, there was, you know, an ego death is kind of a weird way to frame it, but there there was kind of the dream within a dream, the, the quasi momentary bad trip um, that I described in this experience. And a lot of that was around of letting go of the addiction to approval, the fear of judgment, the, the fear of being ostracized and kicked out of the human tribe, etc. cetera. Uh, so it was really an exercise in trust and surrender and uh, really spiritual growth for me to go ahead and put this out. But when I think about going back and listening to it, it's like, oh my God, I'm already cringing. So um I don't know if this will be the one to push me uh, out of the habit that I have for the past couple of years of never listening to my own podcast episodes. Uh, but I feel there might be some benefit in this for even me to go back and just kind of really unpack this. It was just such a wild week in Austin. You know, we got to see so many of our old friends and meet tons of new friends and uh, found a house. You know, we like dipped in like a, like a condor and just swooped a house in a very miraculous way. I mean, talk about grace. It's very difficult to, uh, find a house in Austin at the moment because so many people like uh, myself are moving from California and New York and other places and it's just time you know and so uh, dip in there have this experience with Aubrey and the ceremony and all of this magic has ensued since then uh, left Austin directly to Florida to go to the Joe Dispenza week-long intensive with Allison uh, where I really got to do a lot of integration of the experience I had uh, that you just listened to. I'm now at Sahara Rose's house with our, her and our friend uh, Rosie Acosta for Sahara's birthday. We're 44 floors up right as I record this up at the beach in Miami. It's just it's just wild. We closed, or well, not closed, but we you know uh, finalized the contract on this house yesterday, two hours before the inspection window was to expire. It's just been a wild ass month and I really appreciate you joining me. I hope along the way as you've continued to follow the podcast and things that I'm sharing on social media that you've derived some benefit, inspiration, etc. It's really been an exercise in trust going into the beginning of 2021 as the world sees so much dramatic transformation. Some of it 
uh, perhaps for the worse, some of it for the better. We don't really know yet. I'm reminded that uh, one of the dictums that I... I'm reminded that one of the tenets that I live by, or do my best to live by, is this. There is no such thing as good or bad. Only thinking makes it so. So as all of these amazing things happen in my personal life and you know, moving into the next chapter of life at, at 50 years old here, uh, it's really interesting to see the dichotomy of what's going on in the outer world with this country and the world at large. And uh, I think the way out for me is just the way through. You know, it's just really going inside and continuing to do my work and continuing to evolve and uh, allow myself to be less distracted by what's going on in the world. Um, Not in a bypass sort of way, but really just like how much power do I have? Where does that power lie? Where can it be best used? Uh, What's going to be the the most service I can do to humanity in terms of where I put my energy and my attention? And uh, that's how 2021 is starting off for me. Um, It's going very well going very well but man it does require a lot of trust a lot of faith and a lot of meditation i mean i've been meditating hour to two hours every single morning getting up before dawn watching the sunrise doing my sun gazing practice and breath work i mean i'm super super committed and i think that's really the only reason my inner you know emotional and mental life is not a shit show like the outer world is right now because i'm just man i'm on the razor's edge just really really keeping my energy clean and um you know sharing my love with my my beautiful allison and really just going deeper into that experience and doing my best to uplift the field as they say so thank you so much for joining me on this uh, incredibly vulnerable conversation and I can't wait to share another one with you with Christine Hassler next week. She's actually coming up on a couple episodes. We've got a relationship roundtable show with Christine and her husband, Stefanos, and my fiance, Allison, that'll be released in a few weeks. And that's like a two-hour, four-person conversation where we just unpack all things conscious, spiritual, healthy relationships. So if you dig next week's episode with Christine, know that she'll be back. And uh, I'm going to take a moment to thank our sponsors because, frankly, I would not be able to do what I'm doing if these guys weren't throwing some cash our way to pay the team to make sure that I can do what I do. And uh, if you feel like supporting the sponsors and getting some of these amazing products, I encourage you to do so. If you're not in a position to do that, man, I totally get it. All I ask is that you keep listening to the show, keep doing your inner work, whatever that might be. And uh, if you feel so inclined, share these episodes with friends. You know, if you're finding inspiration, insight, education, and it's adding to your life. Imagine what it could do for others. And that's really a great way to support the show if you don't want to drop coin. You know, I imagine I have this vision someday that I won't have to have any promos on my show and there'll be another way to fund this thing and pay for production costs and audio, video equipment and all of the things. Um, But for right now, this is the way it is. And I'm very I'm honored to work with some incredible brands that are making a real contribution to the health and wellness industry. And uh, that's my commitment to you is to really only promote brands that are awesome and doing great things. So here they are, Athletic Greens. You can go to athleticgreens.com slash lifestylist and get your free year supply of vitamin D and also five free travel packs with your first purchase. That's athleticgreens.com slash lifestylist. Uh, For those of you that haven't tried it, it's one of the most delicious, easy to drink, convenient, 
superfood green powders on the planet. It's it's amazing. And um, I, I just went into the kitchen here a moment ago and saw that Allison had a bunch of them in her bag and I was going to take some and then I forgot. So I'm reminding myself right now that's going to be uh, the... Um, um, dessert of my breakfast, which was a crazy powerful <laughs> herbal blend of coffee and all kinds of crazy stuff that's got me way too hyper and too talkative. So on to the next one, juve.com slash Luke. That is, of course, the amazing red light therapy that I miss so much. I've been away from my home in LA for uh, a month now and traveling so much this year. And I, I miss that red light therapy. So I'm doing my sun gazing in the morning, as I said to at least get the red light in my eyes and activate the brain in the ways that it does. But man, I can't wait to get back and do some hardcore red light therapy. So if you want to get on that yourself, here's what you do. Go to juve.com slash Luke. That's J-O-O-V-V.com slash Luke. And if you use the code Luke, you're going to get an exclusive discount on Juve's Generation 3.0 devices. And I don't even have one of those yet. I need to go. I need to get my ass on their site, get a discount. Now, the one I have is great. I'm happy, but uh, they're up to some really cool stuff. They keep making improvements and innovating, so I'm really happy to support Juve. Uh, last but certainly not least would be Beekeepers Naturals, the most incredible bee products on the freaking planet. Beekeepersnaturals.com/slash/lukestory. Beekeepersnaturals.com/slash/lukestory. The code there is lifestylist, and that saves you 15% off. All right, my friends, thank you so much for listening. This has been a wild ride. I mean, speaking of this episode specifically, um, I'm sure you you got that sense. Uh, if you're still hearing my voice right now, man, you are a ride or die lifestylist podcast fan. And for that, I love and bless you. Be back next week.